Hello and welcome to the 32nd episode of the Front End Happy Hour podcast. Today we're going to be talking about web components. We're joined by our honored guest, Trey Shugart. Trey, will you tell us a little bit about yourself and what is your favorite Front End Happy Hour beverage? Thanks for having me on. So I work at Atlassian. Uh, I do Front End there. Been there for about three and a half years. It's a pretty cool company. My favorite Happy Hour beverage. I kind of defaulted to beer because that was that was safe and easy, I guess. But um, tequila, I guess. Good tequila. What's your favorite style of beer? Probably like a red, like a like a malt, like maybe an IPA. Red IPA is pretty good, but That's something a bit good. malty. I don't know if I've ever met anyone that has answered it that way. So good on you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Trey. Now let's go around the room and introduce our panelists. Ryan. Do you want to go first? Sure. I'm Ryan Inklum. I'm a senior software engineer at Netflix. I'm Stacy London, a front-end dev at Atlassian. I'm Brian Holt, and I'm the resident web component hater slash lover at Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Jem Young, senior software engineer at Netflix. You may not have noticed, I am not Ryan Burgess. <laughs> I, I do not sound Canadian, if you can't tell. I say JavaScript normally. <laughs> About <you>. JavaScript. <laughs> He is out because he just had a baby. So cheers to Ryan and cheers. little baby Austin. Cheers. So on every episode of Front End Happy Hour, we like to pick a keyword that when mentioned, we all take a drink. What do we pick for today's keyword? Dom. Dom. All right. So every time we hear the word Dom, we will drink. And it's also in reference to Fast and Furious 8, a fantastic film. <laughs> <laughs> so to get started, let's talk a little bit about web components. Someone, what is a web component? Anybody. Trey. <laughs> <laughs> a web component is something where you can just write HTML and you have something working like a UI component, like an input, you know, I guess underneath the hood. You could look at that as sort of like a web component. Yeah, you can kind of approach it from the perspective of, like imagine like a date picker that the, that the, the browser ships, right? You, it ships and there's nothing you can do about it. Like you just put a date picker on the page, you can't modify the internals of it or anything like that. With web components, this is kind of the browser maker is exposing to us the abilities to kind of make our own components and also to kind of muddle with the components that exist. So it's powerful because it en encapsulates a lot of, of that CSS, of that JavaScript into like these components that you can repeat throughout the DOM, right? Cheers. So Trey, what is Skate.js and why the name Skate.js? I'll tackle the, the latter first. So skate because uh, I used to skate and then I got too fat for it. Um, <laughs> and it just kind of seemed like, I know I always wanted to name a library skate just because it sounded cool and, you know, maybe people would think it's cool if it sounds cool. It's good marketing. So yeah, skate itself is just, I mean, it's better to kind of like define web components as like a general abstraction for, I, I think, DOM. Cheers. Cheers. Libraries. So it's not something that you should look to for templating or anything like that. It's just an abstraction layer where somebody writes an HTML tag and it gives you um, lifecycle callbacks that you can hook into, so low-level abstractions. Uh, so Skate is just an augmentation of that. Kind of does, it gives you an abstraction to where you, it gives you most things you're going to need to be productive with something. And it even goes as far as to have a sort of opinion on and give you like a, like a functional as in functional programming rendering pipeline. Um, so props change and then it triggers like a render callback and uh, something renders and it changes in the, in the DOM. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. Oh, it's going to be a long episode. I can already tell. We're using something called incremental DOM right now in Skate 4. Cheers. Um, Cheers. <laughs> but it's a name. <laughs> and we're moving to using Preact because it's fast, 
it's more likely somebody's going to use that over incremental. Dom. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. I think it doesn't count if you spell it out. You could just go D-O-M. Yes. And yes. <laughs> you could also just say incremental lead character in Fast and Furious movies. <laughs> uh, that that Maybe everybody won't get that. It's a global podcast. Not everybody watches Fast and Furious, but you should. <laughs> so, are you using Preact and SkateJS? Preact is just the rendering layer. So, Skate, Skate is like basically the interface from attributes and properties to whatever you want to use as the rendering layer underneath. Um, and something you don't get by default with web components is really like the ability to set an attribute on an element, and then that translates to like a render or a property, or you have like this um, binding happening between, like you set a property and it'll set the attribute, right? Like if, if you set like um, the ID property, it's gonna set the ID attribute in return and it's gonna actually reflect it if you set the attribute, it's gonna set the property. So it kind of handles all that for you. Certain you know properties you're probably not gonna want to reflect. So by default, it doesn't really do it for built-in stuff, but so it handles all that for you and then gives you a callback to where you can just kind of return some virtual DOM. <laughs> Cheers. 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 And uh, whatever rendering layer you're using will then render that out underneath the hood. It's pretty cool. So just for reference, and because the people that listen to our podcast go from very, very senior to very, very junior, you can already create custom elements right now in the document object model. <laughs> <laughs> so. What SkateJS does is it does the binding for you, right? It does the actions or? Yeah, so you can use the native APIs to create a custom element with using Skate. All you're doing is extending something other than HTML element. So you're sending something like component like you do in React. Okay. And then you have to register that, of course, so that you can write out HTML. That's pretty cool. So, so what browsers support that right now? Just um, Chrome and Safari. Okay. I'm not sure, it might be only in Tech Preview because Safari really shadow DOM before they released customers. <laughs> what is a Shadow DOM? Yeah, Cheers. Uh, Cheers. Cheers. I think you, get, you should get like a one sentence free shot after Cheers, right? <laughs> <laughs> Just say Dom as many times as you can. Dom, 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 Dom. Okay, and then keep going. We have a timeout. We need to debounce this. <laughs> I think so. I think so. That's appropriate. So what, what is what is Shadow Document object, object model? model. <laughs> At least my, my mulligan. So kind of what I was alluding to earlier in the podcast, where you can kind of create these uh, encapsulated bits of markup and uh, styles and behavior. It's basically that you get like your own little tree of, fuck you guys, Dom. <laughs> Cheers. 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 That you get to play with, and that the CSS doesn't escape from it, the behavior doesn't escape from it. It's it's guaranteed to be contained. That people can't reach in, and it can't reach out, right? Yeah. So if you were to make like your own date component, and you shared it with somebody else, and they put it into their web app, none of their styles would clobber it. Not nothing. It would just exist as is. Is that accurate? Yeah. Certain things do go through like like fonts, but yeah, most things don't. If I I could be misremembering, but I believe the video tag has a shadow DOM that controls things. I could be mistaken on that. Cheers. Cheers. So there's a ability in Chrome to say, show me Shadow Dom. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. This is worse uh, than the Rust episode. <laughs> <laughs> and so if you enable that flag within your dev tools, it'll show you the internals of inputs and the internals of the video tag and internals of all these things that you did not think had internals, right? So yeah, the video tag definitely has its own as is 
everything else in Chrome. It, it, it's exposing to you lower levels of Chrome that you otherwise didn't have before. Hmm. I only have experience with Chrome, so that's when I can talk. So it definitely looks that way in Chrome, um, but I had a discussion on one of the W3C issues with someone, and I forget who it was, and they pointed out that it, it might look that way, but actually underneath the hood they're doing something different, like very different. So you're not, I, I doubt they actually use Shadow DOM underneath the hood. So when people think of web components, they think custom elements, but there's more to the spec than that, right? Yeah, there's also the template spec. Um, so you have Shadow DOM template and custom elements and HTML imports, which is, I almost forgot that one because it's super, super contentious. I don't think it's useful, and I think many think that as well, uh, at least in its current form. But there's also many who really, really want it. What does the import stuff do? Like you declare link rel import and you give it an href and HTML file. And then in that HTML file, you have your custom element definition. That's weird. I looked at it briefly. I looked at the spec. I don't know how I feel about it. It's interesting, but until I use it, I can't say I'm for or against it. Just weird for now. It, it seems like in, a, in out of four or th well, four specs, you have three that are very low level, and then you have this one that kind of has that opinion, the declarative opinion, which is kind of nice, but I think it was a little young. There's a lot of churn towards the end of last year in all the specs. So let's get to the good stuff, because I, I pulled around the office and I said, what do you everybody think about web components? And everybody's like, well, I don't know, something, something polymer or something, something. But people were kind of against it. They said, I have React. I can make my own custom components. What, what's the benefit of web components? Are people wrong? Are they right? Nobody is right uh, here. We're all wrong. <laughs> yeah. So the, the way I like to look at it is that, like I said earlier, it's a DOM abstraction, right? Cheers. You should. Uh, <laughs> sorry. And you can theoretically, like this is easy. There's obviously more intricacies to it, but you can write a React component, and you should be able to wrap that in a web component. Right, so you can write your React components, use them internally, distribute them for the React apps, and then wrap that in a custom element. It's probably a better word for this. That might use Shadow DOM and put that inside of it, but then that makes styling a pain. So you might just use a custom element that renders out some React, and then you can share that as like a leaf node. Or uh, it probably only works well as a leaf node at this point because React's um, children are different than Shadow DOM. Um, you'd probably have to design it in a different way. <laughs> So that's never the way that I had thought about it in terms of using it with React. The way I had always envisioned using it with React is that it's kind of like the target, right? So I, I pull in someone else's custom element that they've created, maybe using date pickers, because I don't know what I have no creativity, that I could pull in someone else's date picker and then have that be a, a target of React, right? So that React would say, okay, and then throw this date picker onto the page and give it these particular attributes. So they could work that way too. Right? Totally, and it should. It works both ways, um, and that's what's really nice about it is you can pull in a custom element that somebody's written and use it inside of React app. But you can also, like, if you're building like components out of React, and you want to distribute those to something that's not using React, you can say, okay, well, I'm just going to wrap this in a custom element, and then you can use this, and it, it will encapsulate React kind of within that that element. Curious idea. The only thing that I would worry about is that you'd have to package React along with your element. Yeah, that's... Yeah. This is like the Russian doll element. <laughs> <laughs> Which is kind of going into why Skate's opting to use Preact. Well, that, that totally makes sense. Yeah. Just because it's lighter than React, or...? There's, there's a bit more to that. Preact's gaining in popularity, and it's much 
I, like I said earlier, it's much more likely somebody's probably going to use that than what we're using now, uh, just to not have to say the keyword. <laughs> I mean, if people are using the, this in their apps. So if they want to have like a web component abstraction around their components, all they have to do really is bite off what Skate's giving it, which is like 3K at the moment. And it'll probably get a bit smaller. Uh, and I think Jason Miller is actually making Preact smaller. He, he wants to bring it. To, he wants to bring it down to two. He's he's, uh, he's a mad scientist. Yes. <laughs> Somebody's got to worry about those things. <laughs> so something that I find like really exciting about this prospect is that we can write like a, a really cool component that can do awesome things, and then it can be shared across libraries, right? Like it's not like you make like a really awesome like drag and drop for React, and then it's just stuck in React land forever, right? You can build these web components that can be shared with across all frameworks now. You don't need a framework. Or it can be used in the future. And I think that, that to me, is a compelling story about web components and custom elements. I think that's the dream of web components. But they, the idea has been around for a while, but it hasn't taken off. Google has pushed Polymer right. pretty hard, and yet I don't know many people using Polymer. It could just be our bubble here, but yeah. it could <clears> be the coast I'm on. But what, what are your thoughts on Polymer, and what's the difference between Skate.js and Polymer? Polymer has a lot of opinions. It's still a web component library, and Polymer 1 actually, like I think some stuff kind of bled out in, in that you weren't just using web components when you were using Polymer. It was kind of like uh, some of the implementation details, um, or it forced you to think about some of those implementation details, whereas Polymer 2 is a lot different in that it's it's more like Skate in the sense that it you extend like a base class, and it's just an element, and you can pass that to custom elements.define, which is what Skate is. Um, but Skate tends to leverage more of things that are out there, like Preact. It doesn't rewrite its own templating engine or do anything like that. It doesn't have what's known as data binding because it's a top-down data flow. Skate focuses primarily on like a functional rendering pipeline. Yeah. So speaking of that, what made you want to write Skate.js? I wanted to try and be famous. <laughs> <laughs> Hasn't worked yeah. out. <laughs> This is the dream, is being on front of happy hour, right? I mean, <laughs> it's really when you've made well, you it. you are famous now. <laughs> <laughs> or will be when this episode goes live. Right? Oh, We're the worst. I just Pretty much. Yeah, so about three years ago, six months into working at Atlassian, and we had this library called Owie, which is a cross-product component library, and we really wanted to just find a way, better way to write these components because it was just old jQuery soup. We had different ways of instantiating stuff, like it could have been used, like event delegation might go and enhance a component on the first event, or you know you might have to call a jQuery function, or it might have been like a, just a random constructor somewhere. So we wanted to try and make this consistent across the board, and web components at that time were kind of like this thing in the, this far off land that are going to be done someday. And I saw something, I don't know if you've seen Xtags, or Xtag. Yeah, it's the Mozilla one. Yeah. Well, now it's, I think it's backed by Microsoft, because I think Daniel Buckner moved there. You mean LinkedIn? So he had something on one of his blogs about how you could use, I think it was like animations and like animation events to where you can enhance elements. It was some weird trickery. And then I just started using mutation observers because it seemed a bit more straightforward. Um, but I think that was back when, I don't know. I don't know the reason for it actually. So I'm not going to try to go on. <laughs> I'm, I'm digging. But anyways, yeah, I, I wrote something similar to that because it just kind of felt there, there wasn't really anything out there. I think Xtags kind of did exist, but I didn't, I didn't really like its API, I guess. Maybe that's not a good reason to reinvent the wheel, but that's why we don't have square wheels, I guess, anymore. Um, and there's so many different React alikes like Preact and, you know, it's innovation. Yeah, so I, I just wrote something and I said, hey, let's try this. And it, it, at that time, it, it was like custom elements, but it worked on custom elements 
attributes. So you could actually create like a custom attribute and bind behavior to that, or you could create a class name. And it was meant as more of like an abstraction layer or, or a transitional layer away from like jQuery, like you're binding stuff to classes or attributes. So instead, you can actually just bind stuff in this thing. You have lifecycle callbacks that matched the spec ones and write your components kind of self-contained in that. Yeah, I've looked at the, the syntax for creating elements KJS, and I like it. One, I like classes. I don't care what anybody else says, and I'm running this podcast, so classes are great. Mm -hmm. You just like good. sugar and, tr and treats and cookies. I do like But a lot of the kind of the component action binding reminded me of actually Flux, where you have like the you know component mounts and then binds to an action, and then it unmounts it, unbinds to the action. Is that where your inspiration came from, or is it more just? Functional programming is the right way to do things. Well, Flux wasn't my inspiration, no. I mean, the inspiration really was that I want to be as close to the specs as possible. And I really saw this movement towards that whole functional programming aspect. Of, I'll say it, virtual DOM. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. I've been drinking a while. And there's a really big movement towards it. And there's something really appealing about that, right? It's a very lightweight representation of what your UI is going to look like. So I kind of just fiddled around with it, and it felt right, and kind of just went with it from there. I mean, it wasn't really super premeditated or anything. Nothing in this industry really is. <laughs> <laughs> Happy accidents. <laughs> I like it. But has have you talked to Safari at all, their team? Are they, is web, are web components in their pipeline? Are they looking at supporting it? I think Custom Elements V1 is in Safari Tech Preview. Okay. And Shadow DOM's already released. Cheers to that, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I know they were dragging their feet for a long, long time, like not even marketing as like intent to implement, right? They yeah. were just... And in fact, actually, I'm pretty sure it is released now, Custom Elements V1. So you do have Shadow Document Object Model <laughs> and <laughs> Custom Elements in Safari. Do you know the story with Firefox is? No, I think it's being implemented, but yep, I haven't checked. That's odd. They're usually, they usually keep parity with Chrome as much as possible. Yeah, I think they're focusing on different things. They're really big, focused on WASM right now. Yeah. Or, WebAssembly, I suppose. Which should be exciting. Yeah, I suppose. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. So as someone who's dug into like the guts of the document object model, what excites you about upcoming specs, anything interesting coming on the pipe, even in the next two, three years? Because you were involved, are you involved with the W3C with, with the web component specification? or you? Not anything formal, no. Okay. Yeah. I, I kind of would like to be, but... I, I don't know. What excites me? I, I think the most exciting thing for me right now is like progressive web apps. So w whatever we can do to try and get the web platform to be closer to everything you're going to need to write for mobile apps. Because it gives you 95% of the way there. I mean, one thing is performance. And there was a big Twitter thread yesterday about, uh, about this. God bless Ken Wheeler. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean, he was partially right there. I, mean, there, I think mobile is always going to be a little bit ahead. but. For 95% of the use cases, I think progressive web apps are going to be what people should be focusing on. I mean, you don't have to go to an app store and download something. You just visit a website. You can do your thing there, or you can then just kind of install it, and it's the same experience. So yeah, anything that like gets us uh, to a better, better point there, yeah, like service workers. So unrelated to web components, I'm kind of putting you on a spot. What is a progressive web app? Because if you Google it, there's like 80 definitions. I don't even think people that 
work for Google that create Chrome, things like that, know what a progressive web app is. So I could basically give my own definition and it'll be right? Yeah. You, and at least you can edit this out. <laughs> a progressive web app, it's just, it, I don't think the name does it justice, really. You visit something in the browser and it's the same experience as if you had it in uh, as an in app form, right? And essentially all you're doing is removing the Chrome of the browser and you have a splash screen. And the only difference to me is like you might, you know, do something differently with offline stuff like service workers, but to implement it, it's just a manifest JSON at a very simple level. Yeah, it seems like offline is such a big part of it. Or like if yeah. you run like Lighthouse against your app and it's trying to like give you tips on being performant as a progressive web app, it's like there's just a ton of stuff in there about won't work offline, won't work offline. Yeah. But the nice part about it is that if you design your stuff correctly and you do it right from the get-go is that you don't have much work to do and you're in business. You're like quoting my talks. Like literally, <laughs> that's what I say. I'm like, it, progressive web app just works. Remember that stalker that you had a while back? Yeah. That was you in the bushes? Ah. <laughs> Taller in person. <laughs> so I, I was looking at the repo for SkateJS, and it's massive. So congrats on keeping an open source library. No, it's really small. Well, I mean, no, I'm kidding. The of <laughs> it is, uh, it's five kilobytes compressed in Jesus. I think the maybe Skate 4 is like, yeah, something around there. I think bundled with incremental DOM, it's like seven ish. But the um, Skate 5 will be 3K. Ooh, how'd you get it so small? I'm not counting Preact. <laughs> um, and I, I just removed a bunch of stuff, just cold stuff that wasn't needed. Because as, as time goes on, it, it, you know, you can gain, you just keep adding stuff. And So I look at, looking at the source code, um, I see that uh -oh. you wrote it in something that's near and dear to my heart, which is TypeScript. <laughs> so why did you choose uh, TypeScript? Well, we haven't written the source in TypeScript. We're kind of debating that right now. Well, both at, like at work and in Skate. I don't know what we're going to do there. We have a, a definition file, which it, it's fully compatible. Like, yeah. you get types. But I, I, yeah, I don't know what we're going to do there. TypeScript is cool, but Flow is, feels like you can adopt it a bit more incrementally. Yeah. That, that's a whole other can of worms. Same thing we're having right now. Yeah, yeah cool. Internally. So we'll see where it goes. I don't have a preferred favorite. Actually, no, I like Flow. Yeah. A little bit better. Screw you, right? I'm sitting in the center <laughs> of the table, you jerks. <laughs> I like the idea of, of doing a type system, though. And it's something I've thought about. Could we do something like React does with props? But the answer is really no, because you have to still define your props as these are something that's reflecting with an attribute, or has a, this is the DOM interface for it. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> so unfortunately, you still have to kind of have props there. But they do, they do give you types, like if you're using a type superset. So with such a large library, what's your approach to writing tests for it? Like, how do you test for every possible case? Because it's got to be pretty challenging, especially something as low level as SkateJS. I actually didn't test coverage until we started using NWB, which is, uh, so you know Create React App? It's kind of similar in a, in a way. It's like the self-contained build, right? A minimal configuration, none, if you really want to be uh, follow their conventions. Uh, and it supports like Preact and React and web modules, which is kind of like the abstract way of saying not any of the above. So yeah, and, and, and that has um, coverage built in by default. So I didn't really start checking it till then. And I think it has about 80%. Um, and that was somewhat unintentional. We haven't, we, we, we do write tests for everything, or try to, but we we have more written general tests. And rather than testing like a super small, tiny piece of unit of code, or writing these big integration tests, it's kind of like in the middle. It's um, 
And testing the Dom is kind of difficult. Cheers. Cheers. It's worth the drink. <laughs> so uh, we got this question on Twitter and we get a lot for people that maintain open source projects, but how do you prevent burnout when you work on such a large project? Drink heavily. <laughs> <laughs> Good answer. I don't know. I have, I have two kids uh, and a family. It definitely is harder when you have that. I mean, your, your hobbies suffer. Not, not, not from the kids, like from open source. <laughs> my kids are my hobby. You just kind of find time for it or you just don't work on it. And, you know, if it's a big enough project or whatever, you might have people helping out and they pick up the slack. I, there's no special formula. And I'm, I'm less burnt out than a lot of people out there. How many contributors do you have? Or like, is it mostly just you or do you have help? I, I, late, of late, yeah, I have help. It's really cool. But it's mostly just been me. Mm-hmm. But there's two, one other person who's been doing it for quite a while with me, Martin um, Hodgell, I think is how you say his last name. And he's really good. He's, he's the TypeScript guy. All right, I like yeah. Martin. Yeah. Don't, uh, Martin will have you on don't, the show don't give me the credit for this. <laughs> uh, I like that I'm giving credit Come for to it. San Francisco, we'll have you on the show. We'll talk about TypeScript. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's going to Florida soon. Fly him over. And there's another guy uh, who recently just kind of joined from Nest, Alex Lafrosha, I think his name is. Mm. And Matthew CP, he works at Betovi. So they're not using it there, I don't think, but he's been messing around with stuff and he kind of wrote his own little abstraction layer called Bram, which is pretty cool. But he's been contributing to Skate as of late and some really good contributions are coming from him. We were using it at Lassian. <laughs> I mean, that, that's another topic, and it's it's not actually sore. It, it might be worth going into if you guys want to. I'm personally yeah. interested, because yeah. being at Atlassian. Right, because uh, you, you recently started, and you probably didn't. All the history. Yeah. Very nice to know. So we, we were actually using it for quite a while, but not really heavily, because we were kind of just slowly drip-feeding it into Howie, and we were just in main, maintenance nightmare, really, with that, because there was just so much in there, so many different edge cases and things we had to account for. and. So we kind of just started rewriting some of the stuff and decided to use it a bit more heavily. It probably would have been, like, I think people coming into a new project using it, like kind of like a new library, you definitely get a bit of dev speed issues with that. So if we would have chosen React from the beginning versus Skate, there probably would have been a better dev speed with React. But the promise of Web Components kind of gives you that abstraction layer, which is really appealing. Um, and not all of our stuff is in React. So it means that we can ship to, to more things and more areas. So we tried it for a while, and um, the thing that really bit us uh, wasn't more dev speed around skate. It was dev speed around the polyfills. Mm. They just weren't complete enough. We were maintaining our own because we actually had a V1 polyfill before Google did. Mm. Uh, polyfilled, you know, m- most things that we needed to in order to interop with like React and other things. And then we said, well, this is kind of giving us problems. We have dev speed issues. Let's just use the the standard V1 polyfill that Google has been spending time on recently and we had the same problems. So it's not Google's fault, like they, they were, you know, it wasn't actually versioned yet or anything like that, so we were on the bleeding edge. And the real kicker was when Safari released a broken Shadow DOM to production, and that was just, that was it. Worked in some scenarios, but not others. Uh, so if you were going to, like with, <laughs> there's gonna be another one, so with incremental DOM, so two sips, or is that debounced? It's debounced, that one. Throttled also, in that case. <laughs> yeah, I think throttling, I'm not debouncing them. So, That's an interview question that I like that. Incremental D-O-M. <laughs> they, they, they create stuff. They go document.createElement style. They append it to the document, and then they set like text content or whatever for the style stuff. And if you append it and then set the text content, nothing would, would happen. If you did inner HTML style with its content, fine. 
but if you did it the other way around, so using the, all the abstractions that we were, it just wasn't working. And the workarounds weren't perfect, and it really kind of scared us. Like, what if Firefox does the same thing mm -hmm. when they release? I mean, the customer's not going to come banging down Mozilla's door. They're going to come to our door. Yeah. And, you know, that just, that, that just wouldn't fly. So it was very a much more pragmatic um, solution to use React because products were already starting to use it. So it kind of made sense. You can kind of get that for free. Um, it does mean that we can't ship React to everything, um, or else you kind of have to imperatively use it or find some sort of integration for whatever library you're using. But I think most most products are kind of trying to adopt it now, mm -hmm. which is good. You know, down the road, what components might make sense? We already have a, a set of components that we can possibly just wrap in web components or custom elements. Again, I like the idea of web components because it's it's to me it's just like a shared component in uh, React or what is it in Angular? Is it a directive? I don't even know anymore. Yeah, so old. Direct, directive. Yeah, or a custom directive, but it's not tied to any one library. So like the potential of that is just huge. Yeah, it's awesome. But what do you what do you see as a tipping point for getting web developers ramped up on like web components are the thing? It's very contentious between communities, and I think we know the communities that I'm talking about. I don't know the communities you're talking all, about. All of them is the Well, <laughs> there's, yeah. I mean, <laughs> Angular, I, I don't know if it's very contentious for them. Ember is kind of. Laugh immediately at Ember. They have, they have some opinions about it. But there's been a lot of contention between like the web component and React communities. And I don't know. Like, I've been in some of those discussions, and like, I've eaten my words quite a few times, and I'm happy to admit that. But I, I just think it's, a lot of it's unnecessary. And a lot of it is just um, my comfort zone is better than your comfort zone. Both sides of that, too. So I think a big part of, and React's huge, right? The community is massive. So I think a part of making web components big is going to be trying to somehow put out that fire between the two communities. I don't know how to do that. I would love to do it, but I feel like I'm the only one who's interested in doing that. I think it's an education thing, too. Like, yeah. web components, for, for, new, for new people, Get just getting into web development, writing a couple divs to do the thing is uh, maybe a more a simple path, and like web components is a more complex path that isn't as clear. Yep. So maybe yeah. it's also like education of the community and making sure that there's more stuff out there that, that helps people understand how to do it and why it's important and why it makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. It's hard though. You, I mean, you bring up a not even related to <laughs> uh, web components, but kind of the increasing corporatization of JavaScript libraries. It's kind of, someone, people won't use it unless it's backed by a large company that you've heard of these days, which is good, because I appreciate companies putting time and effort and money into building these things. The other hand, I also don't want one unified web. I want people to keep pushing it like you. You just, like, I didn't like this. And Jason Miller, preact. Yeah, exactly, mm -hmm. exactly. Like, we need more of that, and yeah, I don't know. That's a hard problem on how to just evangelize there's more than one way to do things on the internet. Yep. People get scared. They want to use the, the thing that's going to be around for a long time because it's going to affect the company's bottom line probably, right? That's uh, a losing battle. <laughs> yeah. True. A long time in, in web development is what? Three Close. years? One day. <laughs> yeah. Days without a JavaScript framework. <laughs> I mean, think about how many, <laughs> four years ago, doing something without jQuery would be like, holy crap. Now it's like a, a sin to pull in jQuery almost. People look at you, well, if you pull it in, so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but like, I can, I can see the, the point in the sense of if you build something on 
Durango, right? Like who, or um, what's the other one? Like Knockout, right? Like those ones were kind of flashes in the pan. Like they're, don't get me wrong, they're awesome and, and they have merit to the reasons to use them, but um, their communities aren't large, they're not well supported. And so that's kind of the danger when you go into a smaller community is that it can kind of dissipate before you even realize what's, what, what happened. Mm-hmm. React is not going anywhere, at least for like the next probably 10 years. We're going to be looking at websites with React for the next 10 years at the very least, even if it like died today. Yeah, there's so much, like millions of dollars of people's time and energy in putting, building complex applications with React. So like to redo all of those is significant and it's a safe choice you can go to your boss today it's like all of these companies are using react it's okay for us to use it too so as a counterpoint to that because you're absolutely right it will be around for long times because it's supported by a big company but that's actually an argument for web components you say they're not supported by any one company it's just the internet Mm -hmm. that's just how a web page works and we don't need to rely on any sort of versioning or if react says oh if you want to use react you have to use flow they could do that next year and then we're going to have to all make a choice. And I don't really want a web like that. I want an open web. There's some cynics out there that would, and almost rightfully so, point to Google and say, well, they created web components and they push it the hardest. And they're actually probably one of the reasons that there was so much churn towards the end is that other com- you know, companies, or well, people in the W3C, I guess, but you have companies, Mozilla, Apple, started iterating on that. Because like Google was really pushing the V0 APIs, and I think they started getting more people on board. And don't you know, quote me on this. Obviously. Well, no, I'm quoted right. I'm <laughs> about, but but this is this is this is what it really felt like to me. Like reading the issues and kind of trying to participate in them is that it kind of came to a point where everybody's like, okay, well, this has taken so long. These APIs are kind of outdated. Nobody re- else really had that much input. So let's reiterate on them and turn this back and you know finalize them. So I think, yeah, some people might point to Google and say, well, it's kind of like the same thing as React, or Facebook pushing React, as them pushing web components, or at least Polymer. I, I remember I went to Fluent in 2013, and that was when Angular was kind of just turning the, the, the corner of like really becoming the hot library. And that was the year that uh, Google was really pushing Polymer really hard. And I, th- I think it was the V1 or V0, actually I think it was the V0 stuff. And so a bunch of people started picking up Polymer and started realizing, like, this is super unruly. This is really hard to work with. It's really hard to understand. And it's really hard to understand the value proposition here. Mm-hmm. And so I think they burned a ton of bridges with that. Uh, kind of like the same way like that Jess did in, in, uh, the first time around. It was, it was <laughs> yeah. they pushed it really hard. People adopted it. It's like, this is a piece of crap, right? And so I think uh, with Polymer, we're kind of seeing some of that too. And web component, like that obviously bleeds over onto like web components in general. People got really burned out really early. It's like, we were trying this in 2013. It's like, oh, this is not ready. And then they just like never wanted to try it. 100%. You're totally right. Or like, yeah, Google's like, I'm not, we're not doing that anymore. Yeah. Polymer, eh, drop it. Like, that's what I worry about with Google. So that's why I'm like a little bit standoffish with like adopting stuff that they push. Yeah, well, they pushed um, web components with Polymer. So people conflated the two quite easily. I still kind of do, to exactly. be honest. <laughs> Same here. Same here. Yeah. Yeah, I remember, uh, I mean, this isn't like Google hate hour, but yeah, I remember Dart when they tried to put the Dart compiler into Chrome. Remember how that went? Yeah. Uh, They're still pushing Dart, but yeah, I don't know. What's the name of that project? Gas pan? Oil pan. Oil pan. Project oil pan was the name of that project. To put the Dart VM next to the, the JavaScript VM. Yeah, no, it, it crashed and burned. Like a flash yeah. in the yeah. pan. Like a flash in the pan. <laughs> 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 it's probably a good thing. I know, I know um, a couple people, I think, who like Dart. One person. 
<laughs> I love the guy. I love the guy. We should have a dart episode. That's a yeah, good we should have a dart episode. Specific. I've heard darts a great language, but you just got to go about the right way. You know, you can't force it on people. Yep. I think um, what you were saying earlier, Stacey, about education—that's an awesome point. And I think that's what everybody needs to do. Something that that has come up in some Twitter discussions is, I think that what what I try and educate about is like the abstraction layer. It's like this can allow you to build something and maybe your framework of choice, but then you can distribute it to something else. But a lot of times I, I get back, well, I've never heard anybody who needs that. And it's like, well, well, we kind of need it. But do we? And I think about it, well, do we? Well, it would be really nice. Well, we kind of do. I don't know, it's more of like a, a really nice to have, I think, at this point. But I think as, as we go along and it becomes easier, um, it'll just become natural. But one thing there, too, is that if we want to have these communities kind of converge and not you know, throwing shade all the time, is we need to have empathy. Mm. It's like, number one thing. Cheers to that. Cheers to that. Dom. <laughs> I'd say throw more shade. I, general shaming kind of pushes the community forward. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe kidding. I'm totally kidding. That's a horrible idea. It, it pushes people into the shadows. It makes people of the, dom. the shadow dom angry. And sometimes when you're angry or Not motivated, you can <laughs> do things. You and I are going to be best friends. I can tell. You like progressive web apps. You believe in empathy and Fast and the Furious. And Fast and Furious. Do I get free food? You, you do get free food. Okay. Absolutely. <laughs> Anytime you want. Wait, yeah, what's your stance on Fast and Furious movies? I've never seen them. Oh my God. Uh -huh. You're dead to me. Yeah. <laughs> I had a friend who used to call me a little Vin. I <laughs> and I, I used to own a muscle car too, so uh, it's kind of yeah, close. You're okay. you're okay then. Still, we're going to have to like marathon all eight of them <laughs> one day. <laughs> Are they on Netflix? Yes, some of them. Right. So at the end of every episode, we like to do picks of things we like, things that are interesting, things we hate, or just things we just ran into during the week that you thought you'd share with the global audience. Brian Holt, how about you go first? Well, my first pick of things I hate is uh, Ryan Anklum. <laughs> second, second. <laughs> He's going in and changing my picks. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> so my first pick of things I like is flow type, which I actually had picked before all of you assholes talked about it. <laughs> Honestly, like I don't really care about TypeScript versus flow. Like to be honest with you, like the differences are pretty small, particularly for my use case. Like I don't really actually explore many of the advanced use cases of either one. So just enough of like, it just interprets my code and tells me where I have type mismatches. Like that's 90% of the win for me. Yep. So whether that's TypeScript or, or Flow, I actually just prefer the Flow community, which is why I, I kind of side on the side of, I fall on the side of uh, Flow. And also uh, to Trey's point earlier, I think it's a little bit easier to incrementally introduce since it's opt-in by nature per file. Uh, my second pick is Babel Preset Env, which is a Babel preset. It's kind of in the name, captured there. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what's cool about it is a lot of people will use something like the Babel preset 20, ES2015 or Latest or one of those. And what's cool about Env is it's kind of a sliding target. So you just say support the last two browsers, and it's just going to slide that along. So Every time that you compile, it's just going to support the last two major revisions. And you can also say, you know, I support Chrome 53 and above, and it'll also transpile for that. So it, it kind of is more flexible that way. 
So I would encourage you if you're using something like ES2015 or um, latest to switch to ENV. That's kind of what the, the Babel team is pushing as well. And quick shout out to Henry Zhu, who's the uh, main person on Babel for at least preset ENV. I remember talking to him last year in New York and he's like, Jem, I've got this wild idea. Why can't I do a preset environment that you only support like X browsers? I was like, that's a great idea. And then the fact that it's out now is just amazing. And he's he works really hard. And I know he's always looking for contributors. So yep. follow him on Twitter, uh, Henry Zhu, uh, Z-H-U, I believe. Yeah, it's a left pad. Is left pad, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, at left underscore pad, he's yeah. a great guy. Sorry, good. No. Uh, yeah, it's it's super cool, super convenient. Um, and my last pick, because uh, of the country that we live in, is I think you all should donate to Planned Parenthood. <laughs> cheers. I'll cheers to that. Yep. Yeah. Dumb. <laughs> <laughs> Stacy. Uh, so I've got two picks uh, this time. Uh, first one's a music pick. It is uh, Broken Social Scenes Halfway Home. They have not put out anything in a long time, and it was really exciting to see them put out a new song and it's super awesome lots of headphone i listened to it on repeat is how much i like it um i saw them at a festival in toronto called field trip um, it was really great so yeah super excited about that second pick is it's a visual representation of paths that you can go down if you want to become a web developer um, it's called web developer roadmap by kamran ahmed and a hat tip to my friend and a fellow front-end dev, Katie Grundle, who sent me that link. Um, I think it's really nice if you're just starting to get into web development to understand what the layers are, because it gives you, like, if you want to be a front-end web developer, here's some tech and things that you might want to know. If you want to be, like, maybe more of a back-end developer supporting web apps, here's what you might need to know, or DevOps. Um, and it's one of the best, like, visual representations I've seen of, of what you might need to know to do those things. So I thought that was pretty cool. So. The links will be in the show notes. Cool. Right. My first pick is a book called Ancillary Justice. It's a sci-fi novel, um, and it's just really mind-bending. It's one of those ones that you have to read some parts of it two or three times to actually make sure you know what's going on. But it, it starts off a little slow, but it ends up being a, a really, really good book in the end. Uh, my second pick is the Spotify Discover Weekly Playlist. Um, nothing too earth-shattering here, but I've actually found a lot of my current favorite songs uh, from that playlist. Uh, my third pick is Fuck You uh, from Brian Holt. So I'm just going to leave that in there. Yeah. I will plus one the Spotify Discover Weekly playlist. Have you listened or looked at Release Radar? Yeah, Release uh, Radar is super good too. Yeah, so they pick, they also, using that same or similar algorithm, will pick things that have come out that week that will fit into your tastes. That's pretty cool. Actually, Stacy, on the web developer roadmap, how many types of web developers are there? I'm curious. Oh, like types? Yeah. They just do three kind of paths, like front end, back end, and DevOps. They don't specify like stacks of like, I'm going to be a React web developer. It's also like chaotic yeah. neutral. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know do D&D that well. Do <laughs> <Be> a rogue. <laughs> Introverted web developer, extroverted web developer. Yeah. <laughs> We're not all introverts. <laughs> that's interesting. Actually, yeah, I think that's why we're no longer UI engineers. We're software engineers because we actually don't build that much UI anymore. I mainly do the back end. But that's interesting. I never thought of 
different paths mm. anymore. I thought it, so I thought it was a good diagram if you want to focus more in the front end layer of like really hyper focusing on JavaScript and, and that stuff to be like, and if someone, let's say that's the path you want and maybe you have someone pushing you to be like, you should be more full stack. And you're like, man, I'm not so interested in that to be like, there is a lot to focus on and you can get really master of your craft in that layer. And there's, and it's a good diagram to show like there's this much stuff that it takes to kind of be really, really good at that layer um, to maybe help justify why that's interesting to you. That's cool. Useful too. Mm-hmm. Trey, picks. Do I have a couple picks? So I have to echo the flow thing. I'm just slightly on the flow side because of the incremental adoption. And also, just for a philosophical reason, is that TypeScript doesn't follow Semver, which mm. I don't know if anybody knew. Party foul. Yeah. But flow is still in zero. Next releases, right? Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> at least it's semantic. Uh, I'm a guitar player, so I just got a Line 6 Helix LT floor controller. It's, it's pretty cool. So it allows me to play guitar while I'm here because my parents have graciously stored my Les Paul here for 10 years. Thank you to Matthew and Alex and Martin for helping maintain Skate. Thank you, Jason, for building Preact because um, we're starting to use it. That's really cool. Yeah, really excited for progressive web, web apps. Oh, just to point out, in case people missed the references, Trey, you actually live in Australia right I now. I do, Sydney. Nice. Yep, but I'm from Santa Cruz, California, so. My first pick is actually my deskmate, Ryan Anklum, who <laughs> thankfully, <laughs> He, I know, we hate on him all the time. Um, <laughs> but thankfully, he covers a lot of the UI work, so I could do the back-end work, and I appreciate that. I really do. You're welcome. Cheers to you. I will not cheers that. Oh, and the hate continues. <laughs> That's okay. My second pick is the wee baby Burgess. Austin Ryan Burgess was born on Sunday. Ironically, Ryan was supposed to see Fast and Furious with me, but he could not because his wife was in labor. Priorities. Yeah, and I texted him just a lot of angry texts, but that's okay. So he's my pick. He's going to be adorable. I know it. Uh, my second pick is not Iron Fist <laughs> because it's so it's terrible. I'm going to say it. It's a Netflix show. It is the worst Marvel show we've created. If you want a better show with a uh, lead star that actually knows martial arts, I'd watch Into the Badlands, which is on FX. It is a much better show. Oh man, I have so many. I've heard really good things about Into the Badlands. It's much better than this. Like I, I know Brian has differing opinions, but I don't know why they casted him as the main. Uh, I forgot his name. Oh, but, Danny Rand. Yeah, it was. Oh, I've, I think just it, like the Get Down. It's Get Down and Iron Fist are like there for me at the bottom of my Netflix list. And on that note, we're. <laughs> 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 Thank you all for listening. Uh, be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at FrontEndHH. We want to go around the room and give you Twitter handles where people can send you hate mail. Brian Holt, you want to go first? Uh, I guess if you're going to send me hate mail, please send it to at uh, Jem Young. <laughs> that's fine. That's, that's it. Fine. That's it. <laughs> Stacy? It's Stacy Londoner on Twitter, but please don't send hate mail. I love all my people on this show. I don't want hate mail. <laughs> Just send it to at Jem Young. <laughs> and a lot of people hate me all of a sudden. Ryan? Um, I am bittersweet Ryan, and send me all the hate mail because publicity is always good. So <laughs> just destroy me on Twitter if you'd like. My name's Trey. Uh, my Twitter handle is at J-E-M-Y-O-U-N. <laughs> <laughs> Kidding. T-R-E-S-H-U-G-A-R-T. Awesome. And I am at Jem Young. You can send me all the middle finger and poo emojis you want because I won't read them. 
Any last words? Dumb. 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 Cheers. Good ending.